Hi everyone, welcome back to Rachel Profiling. It's been a hot minute, hasn't it? It's been a grip. We will talk about why I haven't podcasted in a minute. I've attempted to do this episode, I think three times now, and I really struggled with it because I wanted to do it right. But I realized I really just had to feel compelled, I guess, to speak about it. Like when my heart felt like it was the right time. I've been trying to be a lot more intentional with my words lately and almost methodical about when I decide to speak, what I decide to speak about, how I express it because my anxieties arise and I think, oh my gosh, I'm being selfish by being sad or by talking about this or by bringing it up too much or still thinking about it and processing. But I think the best way for me to approach this is to just speak from the heart and because I'm feeling a lot of big feelings, you know, I'm a big feelings gal. That's how I've always been and that's how I'll always continue to be and I think that is the best way to approach this episode because this is a very important episode to me. We're going to talk about Jarrett Shield today. I made a promise to myself if I came back and when I came back to podcasting because I know I would come back to Rachel Profiling, the first episode had to be about and dedicated to Jarrett. And I've been, I've been wanting to talk about him. I really have. And it really does help me talk about, I guess, just his legacy. And, you know, the first thing I thought of is I'm going to come back and I'm going to do an episode because I want everyone to know Jarrett the way I know Jarrett and the way that so many people know him, just full of joy. I mean, I think anyone who had the honor to meet him you could tell something that we said a lot is and that we continue to say a lot is that Jared is joy and he's just the kind of person where you meet him and you have a good story about him instantly so for those of you who don't know him Jared Shiel is the reason Rachel Profiling exists he was my first and closest mentor at Berkeley my first music ed professor because I had him for intro to music ed and I was hooked immediately. <clears throat> Pardon me. I remember very vividly the first class. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just so excited to talk to him and get to know him. He told me about how he went to Columbia. And I immediately went up to him after class and I was like, do you know Tanya, Chompanaponkit? Because Chani, as a lot of you know, is another one of my teachers from high school who I'm very close with. And I just was like, these are two great people, and I'm so excited for, I kind of knew, I think, that the music ad world was going to be something so important to me, and Jarrett really just embraced me from the minute I showed interest and stepped in and wanted to throw me in, and so our final project, I think it was our final project, was to do a podcast with a music educator we looked up to. So, boom, of course, I reached out to Mr. Creston Heron, which who you know and has been on the pod for several episodes, and then COVID hit, and I just was like, oh, I like talking, and Jarrett was like, this is great. Keep talking always, please. Jarrett is someone so special, and I could 
you know, rattle off to you all the reasons and tell you the same spiel and words from my heart that I said um, right after his passing in November at his celebration of life and the one we held at Berkeley. But I really just want to speak a bit more organically today. Um, Of course, I mean everything so genuinely and with my whole heart when I would speak publicly about him. But, you know, at the end of my speech, I always would say, or like not speech, it feels weird calling it a speech, but at the end of my conversation, our conversation, I always would just say like, I'm excited to continue to speak with Jarrett. And I really feel like that's what the, that's what Rachel Profiling is about, you know, and the podcast and why I want to talk and why I like talking and it just feels like I find myself talking to him a lot um it feels like I'm still in conversation with him constantly and so that's what it's just gonna be today we're just gonna talk together and we're going to um just kind of I don't know I kind of want to tell you what's been going on in my head and how I've been feeling in my heart and um just also so you get to know Jarrett I Felt like it was the right time to do this podcast and have this conversation because I was really lucky to be able to go to the Massachusetts Music Educators Association Conference, we'll continue to call it MMEA for short, over the past two days. And I I kind of anticipated feeling some big feelings. It was like night one. And I saw Megan O'Connor Vince, word to Megan. So Megan is someone that Jarrett introduced me to because she was the guest in her Hip Hop is for Kids episode. And he was like, I need you to meet Megan. You're going to love her. Da, 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 da. Which is something he would do often. He <laughs> connected me to a lot of important people in my life now, like Dr. Brian Gellerstein um, and Megan and just like oodles and caboodles of people. And so I was talking to Megan after she did the session for the Collegiate Ambassadors and I was like, yeah, I have been feeling some big feelings that today because this was like, I guess, like six hours into us getting to the conference and helping out. And I already started to feel like a little um, like teary eyed, I guess. And I just I kind of like <laughs> sweltered it back in because after Jared's passing, I really was like, OK, I need to process this. I need to move forward. Not in a sense where like I need to move forward, but I need to. I think in a way I was being um in a way, I was being selfish because I wanted to be able to be there for others. But I almost was being like self-servant in that way because that always like, you know, talking to others and supporting my friends, like it always does fill my cup. But and it was never from a, like an intention, like any like, I don't know what I'm necessarily trying to say, but it was almost from a place of like I was doing myself a disservice because I never really let myself fully process it. Um, and I'm really lucky that I have friends who give me so much stability in my life. Friends have always given me the most, friends have been the most consistent and stable thing my entire life. And I really felt that love and support. Um, but I still felt like guilty and selfish and sad. And I felt selfish for being sad. Um, and so those familiar feelings came back when we got to MMEA because uh, I kind of I have this tendency to really distract myself and 
just throw myself in to whatever I'm doing at that time. And, you know, I was like, okay, it's been like seven days. Let me move forward. That's not how it works. I was like, let me, I remember I was having a conversation with my best friend, Matt, and I was like, okay, what are like the six phases? And then let me go through all of them. And I didn't go through all of them. I went, I went through denial pretty heavily, but, um, uh, and you know, all the hoop love, all the different iterations, but, um, I think feeling all these big feelings at MMA was really necessary because thankfully I was around so many people who know him, who know Jarrett and love him and Megan is one of them. And it was really comforting to be around people who know and care about him so much. But I think that also kind of, um, helped incite the opportunity to feel all the big feelings. I was talking to my friend and I forget who, so apologies, but someone gave me some really great advice. It's like, what an honor, oh, it was Grace, Grace Perman. She was like, what an honor it is to feel every single emotion in the world. It's, it's, you know, it's, relieving in a way and it's beautiful to be able to feel all these things and I always tell myself you know like life ebbs and flows and things have to you know ebb to really you know appreciate the flow and uh I don't listen to myself a lot of the times if you can't tell um but yeah I was really ebbing I was I was ebbing in Westford Massachusetts Ooh, ooh, yeah (laughs) I was in a I was in a Regency hotel, really feeling that ebb. Um, I don't even know if I'm using that phrase correctly. But anyways, um, it was really nice being around people who knew Jarrett, know Jarrett so well. Um, I ended up having a bit of a, um, like, I guess what we'll call like a grief spurt. Because I had just been thinking about him a lot. And then I, uh, it was the second day. And I just started crying and I was like, woof, oh, geez, Louise, what is happening? So I took myself outside and I sat outside and then I was like, you know what? I need to talk to Brian, (laughs) talk to Dr. Gellerstein. Um, (laughs) And so luckily I ran into him and I gave a big hug or he gave me a big hug. And then I also ran to Megan And something that Brian says a lot that I think about is, like, he, Jared is always with us, and he feels well all the time, but it's, like, what joy it is. The grief has turned to joy because we're continuing to do the work and have the conversations that we have with him in continuing the work that he did. So Brian and Jared worked a lot on and discussed a lot about, like, critical education and a lot of the systemic issues in music education and white supremacy rooted in music education. And I'm doing a directed study with Brian this semester on, um, sorry, Brian, I forgot the government name for it. It, it's white supremacy. Oh, it's peel. I'm peeling back the layers, white supremacy and music education. So discussing a lot about how, what we do at music ed is rooted in Western European, you know, history and traditionalism and, Um, It ends up being systemically racist. It is systemically racist. And so something I think a lot about is just like continuing the conversations that we have. And Jerry was the kind of person where like I could talk to him for hours, 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 hours on end. 
And I tell this story, it's my favorite story, I think, is just about how I had um, multimedia with him. And I had like Jared Fridays at one point um, where I, <laughs> I had like Jared, I think three times on Fridays. And one of the classes was multimedia for music ed. And there are only five people in that class. And a lot of the times, like as this semester continues, you know, as it does, like people kind of drop like flies in and out. And there would be days where literally no one else would show up. And I like secretly really, really loved that because Jared and I would talk about like our favorite podcasts and what we wanted to do and all our ideas and plans. He would text me and be like, oh, like we have to like, let's get famous. Like, let's do this. And he would, he would be saying that jokingly, but he really like the goal is always like, let's have this conversation. And I keep going back and finding all these notes that I would take and all these um, Google Docs. Um, that were just like tidbits of things Jarrett would tell me and I found probably my favorite like note ever I've taken I made this note when I had Jarrett Fridays it's titled wise things Jarrett says and I would just write down everything he says all the time and the first one I'm gonna read them off to you um is education is like life or sorry let me read this verbatim education is like insurance for life whoa Mamma Mia, isn't that right? He's just full of little tidbits like that. The second one is um, make accessible by opening. I think I meant to put education, but so make education accessible by opening the door, but have someone at the door to guide them since they're kids. So I think he's really, Jared talked a lot about like student autonomy and collaboration engagement. And that's something that I really live by. My philosophy is like, letting students feel that they have control there isn't a hierarchy in education there shouldn't have to be like inherently there's these power dynamics when you have like a teacher and a student no matter how much you try to work against that subconsciously that student because of the way that education has been shaped especially in america you subconsciously have that idea of like okay you know they have control over my grades they control like whether i get in trouble or not you know so he talked a lot about like having autonomy and giving control back to your students and but being like the facilitator for conversation not the not the controller of conversation but being someone who opens the door and then is there when this your students need you um the third one is in life there are a lot of people you can afford but there are ones who show care to I think I may have mistyped this one a bit. In life, there are a lot of people you can afford, but there are ones who show care to, who you show care to. I think what he was saying by this was um, there's a lot of people you can afford, but it's like really look into the people who invest into your life, which is something I think a lot about because especially with like my lived experience, I've always just thought, you know, family is the people who invest in you who show care, who show up, and who show support consistently. Um, and Jared was one of those people. He really was a huge and continues to be a huge part of my life and always showed up continuously. And I know for so many of my peers at Berkeley, that's how he was. And it brings me a lot of joy and comfort to hear people tell like stories about Jared and their interactions with him. I was sitting with two of them, some of the younger semester students. I had them over after um, 
work one day and I kind of just asked them like how like you know I kind of just asked them like what their memories were of him and it's so consistent how much you hear like oh yeah like Jerry was just like checking in on me and like asking me this and he wanted to do this together and he was so about collaboration and bringing people in um and he really really meant it when he asked like how are you you know, and you can tell, you know, you can, like, you can feel it when someone asks you how you are, how you're feeling, and it's so real and so genuine. Every time, Jared never phoned it in. He never phoned it in when it came to investing in the people around him, and it is such an honor. It was such an honor to be in his orbit, and that's how I treated, you know, his conversations and his experiences with you. Like, it was an honor and a privilege, and he wanted to be in your orbit, And that's something I really want to live by moving forward because, you know, he really invested in every person and even, like, the people who were in your circle. So, like, one time I was at Pavement with my friend Eli and their partner at the time, and we ran into Jarrett. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my gosh, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know. I introduced the two of them. I introduced all three of them to each other. And Jarrett just starts asking Eli questions, asking about where they're from, what they do, and I'm just like a mushy gushy corny person in general but it's like you know nothing makes my heart swell more than seeing like different worlds collide important people in my life coming together and that's just like who Jarrett was you know he just really wanted to know every single person who you cared about really genuinely um okay the fourth one ooh culturally responsive teaching is supposed to be defeating white knightism Ooh, Brian, we're going to talk about that in class this week. (laughs) Yeah, I just want you all to think with that. I'll read it again. Culturally responsive teaching is supposed to be defeating white knightism. So something I talk a lot about is um, like culturally responsive teaching has become a bit of a buzz phrase in education. And I don't think that's what the intent is. I think it has become a buzz phrase, but I think is met with good intent. I think it's like what is the internal work we're doing though beyond that you know like something an example I use a lot is like culturally responsive teaching needs to be more than like Asian exploration like acknowledging that like that would be like a weird name for a piece you know um culturally responsive teaching is like more than just literature wise or pedagogy wise but how do we support our pre-service teachers in educating them in a manner that's not just serving, you know, affluent white neighborhoods. What do you say to a student who says something racist? How do you educate that student kindly to where it hits and they understand? And then how do you go and you support and you uplift and you embrace the student that was being said to, to let them know that they're able to take up space? Uh, the next one is, uh, the student is the end, the music is the means conversation I have a lot with my best friend is like okay is it about the music or is it about the students should always be about the students it's always about the students Uh, the next one is critical race theory is cultural competence of the community that you work in so it's more than educating on race it's about like what's happening in your community what are what's like this these kids like daily lives um oh this is my favorite I think um there's something Jared said like quite a bit 
I remember, I remember when he said it to me, I remember like where we were sitting, we were sitting in the lab, um, on the fourth floor and, well, that's where we always were, but I just remember for some reason so vividly, like this one comment, cause he just turned to me, he like turned around his little swivel chair and he was like, the goal of my teaching is human flourishing. And that is a phrase that I love, like human flourishing. Um, it's just like, how can you encourage someone to be the best person they can be? It's cause Jared would always see the best in everyone. He saw the light and he saw, you know, how far someone could go, no matter what place they are in life. Just that there is always joy and love and opportunity for people to really thrive in who they are, not what, you know, anyone else should like thinks that they should be. And it was what I really admired, it was never about like accolades or credentials or, you know, flourishing to reach a certain point in your career. In your degree, it was just about being comfortable in who you are and being the best person you can be. And then the rest of them are fun, kind of funny. Um, <laughs> well, this one is expect to teach what you see in the community, which I think ties to the critical race theory as cultural competence of the community that you work in. Um, yeah, the other one, well, one of them is like they run it like a Walmart and he was talking about institution, not Berkeley. He was talking about another institution. I won't name it, but I just thought that was really funny because <laughs> um, that's like such a Jarrett thing to say. <laughs> Sorry, Jarrett. I don't think I can get you in trouble about that, but you know, <laughs> the next one is the more I know, the more I'm in control of my world. So Jarrett, super well read. One of my goals this year is to become more well-read and to learn how to write in academic setting, I guess, in an academic way. Um, that's the thing I always really admired. Um, <laughs> and then one time in hip hop, he goes, I'm not a font purist. And he was talking about comic sans because, you know, all the jokes about comic sans and this and that. But that was my list of wise things Jarrett says. And uh, that's a really important list to me. I think about that list often. I think uh, it was nice to go through that and kind of analyze it together because I would always read it to myself, but I never like sat down and analyzed it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I I really just want to talk about like memories I have with Jarrett too. And um, like one of my other favorite times is he called me really out of the blue last year. And it was, um, he would always call me with like different opportunities, which I thought was really cool because and it would be like, not just me, it'd be with everyone. He would like come into class and be like, okay, I have this gig. Do you want to teach this? Da, 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 da. Uh, he just wanted to give us as much opportunity as possible. And it would always be like kind of oddball jobs too, which was fun. Um, yeah, but he, he called me once and I was just at home, like after school and, I remember like so much he just he called I I picked up and he was like hey oh Rach uh I just wanted to call you to let you know that I'm proud of you and it just um you know just hearing that anyone is proud of you especially someone who is your mentor and um that just meant the world to me you know what I really love about Jarrett is he unabashedly is that the word just so vocally and openly loved everyone and I haven't had someone really that vocally be so open about how much they like support and believe and love like 
you know, me and like what I'm, you know, my aspirations are. And I'm lucky that I have like a lot of mentors now who do that. And my teachers in high school did too, but like from, um, from, from just, you know, it's like, it's different from like one-on-one, not that there's like a, a different gravitas to it, I guess. Both are equally as important, but it was something, you know, it's the whole thing of like, okay, when you're in a room full of people, like who is going to speak out about you and like advocate for you? And that was always Jarrett. And he would take any opportunity to really just talk about how proud he was and yeah, how, how proud he was of me and how much he loved me. And I, I, I don't know, I feel kind of weird saying that out loud because I don't want it to sound like I'm trying to like, I'm not trying to sound gauche or like toot my own horn, but there's something so special about like being loved and supported that out loud and around people like to other people um which is something I'm lucky that I have you know other mentors in my life now who are who who do that as well and it's not something that's like I go and out seek but just it's like this this different all encapsulating like feeling of love and support that someone feels so strongly about how much they believe in you that they will just they take every opportunity to share that and um it's just a different kind of love and support I don't know how else to explain it but that was just who Jarrett was and I was really grateful for that and just how he wanted to connect everyone together um I really didn't know that, like, you, y'all know I'm pretty gung-ho about, like, music ed and everything now. I mean, I really, I think everyone goes through the phase where they're like, oh, do I want to be a teacher? Da, 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 da. It's like a rite of passage. Um, but, you know, I feel like we've always kind of known and, um, like, speaking for myself, that, like, I, that I was, like, I wanted to be a music educator. And that was really confirmed when I met Jarrett, just because he, like, every, you know, like, silly bananas thing that I did, it was never in a thing where it was like, oh, like, haha, Rachel, like, that's silly. It was like, oh, like, that's creative. Like, your students are going to love that, you know? Um, and I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. Like, I'm being seen and supported. And the biggest thing, and I think this might have been a phrase I got from him, is that, like, I am able to take up space. And he let me take up space. And it wasn't ever a thing of like I want you to do this for me it was like I want to do this with you it was a collaboration so Jared and I had um had this podcast um Freedom Beats he started it and we had a whole outline for it and he wanted me to be the producer <laughs> and he always be like Rachel hey Rich I want you to produce my podcast but you know life was busy and you know I, I really wish we did sit down and do that podcast episode. And I was um, I was waiting till like senior year, till the end of senior year that I was going to do this like um, big podcast episode with Jarrett. I haven't said this out loud before. In my head, I always imagine like I knew the episode that I did with Jarrett had to be really special. So it was going to be the graduation episode. And so I feel kind of bad that, like, I never got to do that. But also I know it's not something I need to feel bad about because, you know, I'm always talking with him. I'm always in conversation with him. And what has brought me a lot of peace in the past few months is that 
when I talk to him, it's not when I'm sad. I am... Um, I really don't like being sad. It's very all-encapsulating for me. It really just, like, takes over my whole body. And so I'm glad that, like, there are a lot of moments and, like, pockets of joy that I found, even in, like, the darkest period of, like, grieving. I remember I was driving into the city and I, the sun was rising and I was playing um, How Deep Is Your Love the PJ Morton and Yeba version, because that's just the song that makes me think of him. Um, there's, like, several, but that's, like, the song, because I just remember he he was like, I want to show you my favorite song, and he played that, and there's this part then that goes, and he always does, like, this, like, he pretends to play the piano with it. And we would listen to that, like, three weeks in a row in multimedia when no one would show up. <laughs> Um, But I was listening to How Deep Is Your Love, and I was driving into the city, and the sun was rising, and this bird flew by. And that was the first time where I felt comfortable to just be like, hey, Jarrett. And I said it out loud. And um, I've been told that that's, like, normal, and it's good. And I I do think it is. And so um, Jarrett never expressed an affinity for birds or anything, but I just, whenever I see a bird now, I'm like, when I see, like, yeah, Sometimes when I see a bird and, like, it's outside and it's beautiful and I'm thinking of something and, like, positive and I'm just like, oh, hey, Jared. And I don't really know where that comes from, but it's it's comforting. I was at Niagara Falls last week and there was just, like, all these birds flying by and it was really beautiful. And I was like, oh, hey, good to see ya. <laughs> so that's why, like, NMMEA and just in different points. Um, it's not what what scared me at MMEA was that I felt kind of that all encompassing grief come back, like the same feelings I had in November. Um, but I think it was really needed to really have a good cry and feel it out. But there's this strong comfort of just being in the presence of other people who know him so well. Um, because like I said, like everyone has a good story. Like another one of my favorite stories is when and Jarrett was like, I want to have a birthday party. This was back in April. And he was like, you know what? After hip hop on Jarrett Fridays, we're going to go to Woody's. He loved Woody's. Uh, I used to call it Comic Sans Pizza. I think that's why we were talking about Comic Sans. Because the Woody's font on Hemingway used to be in Comic Sans. They have a lot of different fonts going on. They had, like, a Times New Roman situation happening, like, an Ariel Bold. I think they've changed it to, like, just Times New Roman. But, anyways, Woody's. So, Jarrett gets, like, it was, like, four tables full. And it was our hip-hop music ed class and then some students from his ensembles. And we just had, like, a little birthday lunch for him. And we sang him happy birthday. And then my friends and I, like, got, I think it was, it was, like, two of my other friends. I think it was Griffin, Matt, and me. Uh, We all chipped in to get him his favorite beer. It's called Dogfish. Or Fish Dog. I think it's Dogfish. Um, Sorry, Jarrett. It was really bad. We, Matt and I had, had some of it. And it was really bad. (laughs) But, um... He, he loved it, and he enjoyed it, so, and there's a video of all of us just singing happy birthday, uh, and you could just see, like, the surprise and the shock, uh, of just, like, oh my gosh, like, wow, I can't believe, it. you know, just, like, the joy of being around each other, 
and he would like in the video he turns back to the people at Woody's and he's like oh my gosh you guys like what is this um when he fully plans that <laughs> he fully planned his birthday party too so I don't know why he was acting shocked I think he was surprised that we got him a beer but um he what I love about that video is he like turns around to the people who work at Woody's and it's like clear that he has like built this relationship with them and they're happy to see him and it just goes to show that he just built relationships like real relationships with everyone around him um yeah I another thing that I like to think about a lot is just like that Jared's the kind of teacher who makes you want to be a teacher even when you never thought that you would be an educator because you just you see what he does in his work and how he talks to people and it's like, oh, I want to be like that guy. I just want to be around him and be in community with him. And I just think he's the embodiment of community. Um, and maybe it's not necessarily even that you want, it makes you want to be a teacher. But it's just that, like, you just want to um, be around the joy that he had in his presence. But how he invests in people that's really the through line of this is just like how much he invests in the people around him um yeah I mean I I'm just I'm really grateful that you know Brian's right a lot of like the grief has turned into joy so in moments of reflection or like need of reassurance is um and like when I see like little things that bring me joy that that's really what makes me think of him and uh, I think a lot about, you know, human flourishings, and we would talk about music education, and he really focused his methodology and his purpose on uplifting everyone he encountered, and how being in the classroom, like, made them feel, you know, it's like, how does, he was one of those teachers where it's like, okay, this is how I feel in your classroom, and so I always think that, like, you know, I could be drilling home essential elements, or Suzuki, or, you know, this and that, but students aren't going to retain that information unless they feel like they're in a safe space to absorb that information. And uh, Jared really was the pinnacle of like creating a safe space, creating a space where you could be you. And he wanted you to be goofy and silly and have fun and enjoy learning, not learning to learn to like a test or learning because like we have to like even in our MTL class we would joke around and it would be fun and we would engage with one another <laughs> one of my favorite pictures is this screenshot of this is when we did MTL class on zoom and it's this picture of Jarrett was sharing his screen and Matt had made this google uh, form that was like is Rachel funny yet or no if not yes is well I think I'm funny personally but it said is Rachel funny no or no and it's this in the side you can see like all of our faces and it's Jarrett just like laughing his ass off and it looks like he's the one who created the poll because it will pull up like the google form and then it said like at jshield at berkeley.edu um so it's just like little things that you know it's just how we engage with one another and that's really how I want to continue to live and I think that's um, something that is so nice is how much he connected all of us and how we share so much joy about and through Jarrett. 
Um, and something I think about that Stephanie told me, that one of my professors told me, is that, like, he's going to be with you for the rest of your life. And I was like, oh, that's honestly, like, really reassuring to hear. Like, you know, it's the things that, it's almost, like, cliche, the things that people say when someone close to you passes, but it's stuff that I needed to hear, like, that it's okay to be sad and that, like, you know, it... he's never not with us. He's never not with me. Um, I, I, uh, sorry, we're going to talk, we're we're talking about grief a bit today, but I think it's important in context. Um, I stopped eating for a month and, uh, that was weird because I enjoy eating quite a bit. I, I think eating and like having dinner with people is just like a great way to have community and spend time with others. But I like legitimately stopped eating, Um, and I felt like I had no control over my emotions. I didn't know how to process it. And it was really scary. Um, and something someone said was like, you know, he would, he would be, he would be upset if he saw how you're, how, you know, you're treating yourself right now. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then Stephanie was like, you know, like he's always going to be with us and I was like oh that's another good point (laughs) I was like everyone is speaking speakings right now and um it's stuff that's like you know you kind of assume and you know like I knew that I know these things but I just needed to hear it and it's uh, stuff that I know that he would say to me too um yeah there's there's like I could go on and on for like hours on end about Jarrett and I I think um I think it goes to show how how much like he still is in conversation with so many people. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I just really am honored to have had such a close relationship with him. I think, and I know. It's something that's going to be with me the rest of my life and I'm going to hold really close to my heart. But as like I continue into senior year, it's it's been hard um, thinking about like not, you know, talking to him like at graduation or like after graduation and talking about like all the exciting things to come or like sometimes I really want advice on something and I have so many great people that I can go to advice for luckily. Um, but uh I'm like, oh gosh, I wish I could just talk to Jared about this right now, which is a a shared feeling, and I feel a lot of guilt sometimes for feeling sad, like I mentioned earlier, because it's like, like I felt really bad at MMEA when I started crying, because I was like, I know so many of us had a close relationship with him, but I think it's, um, I know that's not how I should feel about it, and that it's more of like, wow, how lucky am I to be able to feel such big feelings because I had such a close relationship with him. Um, and I think it has been, uh, it's, it's something where it's like, okay, you know, like, WWJD, what would Jared do? Um, I have to remind myself a lot. Oh, I guess that's the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. WWJD. Um, but yeah. What would he do in that instance? Or, like, what would he say to me? And I know exactly what he'd say to me. He'd do the thing where he points. He did this thing where, like, he, with both hands, he, like, p- 
points up or he points at you. And there's like this specific face that he makes where it's like, and then he, he'll say his thing and they'll point and then he'll make the face. And he kind of cocks his head to the side. And it's like, huh? You know? Um, so, yeah. I, it's really nice to always feel like he is around. I really do feel like he is around, even in the moments where I'm sad too. But especially when what I highlight in my head is like the moments of joy where something good happens. And I'm like, oh, I know the big man's seeing that, you know? <laughs> I know he's taking note of it. And I think. I'm really grateful, too, of just um, our time together and the people that he's connected me with because I see a lot of the joy Jarrett brought everyone in the people that I have relationships with, from my peers to my mentors to just, like, anyone who knows him, anyone who, like, had the privilege to talk to him at one point or another. Talking to him was always so fulfilling, too, no matter what the topic of conversation was. Because you could tell how much love was in his heart and he would always bring up his family and how much love he has for them and, you know, just how he walks through life. And um, so much love always to Antonia and his kids and I'm thinking about you often as well and sending you lots of love and it was so beautiful how openly and vocally he loved his family. He loves his family and he would take every opportunity to speak about them. And that is just how it should be. It's really nice to look back and see how many ways Jarrett impacted my life and so many others and the little ways that I do see him in like my day-to-day life. I see him also too just in like when I find new songs, I get excited because I'm like, oh, uh, this song, like I knew Jarrett would have loved this. Or like it's stuff where I'm like, I have this idea. And that's when we would have that conversation to be like, Rachel Pack. like what do you think about this and I'm like okay I have this idea and just the excitement to continue to create and to flourish together so I hope you all got to know Jarrett today I hope you feel all the love and the joy that he put into my life and so many people's lives it is an honor and a privilege to be able to talk about him so wholeheartedly and to know him so well And I hope you continue to walk in joy because Jarrett is joy. I also want to thank you for listening because this podcast is something that makes me feel really connected to Jarrett. It's something that wouldn't exist without him. And I'm going to end today's episode how he ended every Friday class after hip hop. He would always say, I love you to the whole class and wish us a good weekend. So I love you and I hope you have a good week. Talk soon.